Welcome to A Court of Swish and Flick, A Court of Thorns and Roses podcast. To the people who look at the stars and wish, we welcome you to the third episode of A Court of Swish and Flick. This episode is sponsored by Emily Faris. Thank you, Thank Emily. You. Thank you. I'm Tiffany. I'm Megan. I'm Katie. And I'm Sarah. And today we're going to be discussing chapter two of A Court of Thorns and Roses. So make sure that you follow us on your preferred podcast listening platform and share this episode with your friends, because if you like us, then hopefully they will too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Court of Swish and Flick and on Twitter at A-C-O-S-A-F. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, head on over to patreon.com forward slash a court of swish and flick. Supporting our podcast keeps us going and it also gives you access to our exclusive Facebook group and Discord channel. Thank you all so much for your support already. If you have any questions, concerns, etc., you can send those to our email, which is a court of swish and flick at gmail.com. Thank you, Megan. Take it away. Anytime. Let's talk about deer carcasses. (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I know this is going to like weird some people out, but I grew up in the country. Okay. Tell me again. I think that should be a drinking game. Every time Tiffany says she grew up in the country, take a shot. Grew up in the country. I grew up up in the country. country. I grew up in the country. Where? (laughs) Country. Okay. But I have actually helped my dad drag a deer out it is not easy and the fact that this malnourished human did it by themselves yeesh i don't envy her survival man seriously adrenaline and knowing that she's gonna eat probably is what helped her so anyways probably first she for sure is gonna eat I said it's probably what helped oh, her. Oh, okay. I was like, no, she, she's bringing it <laughs> home so she can eat it. Are you okay? No. Okay. So the sun was setting when Pharaoh was exiting the forest, and she was basically a mess, and rightfully so. So she's dragging a deer carcass by the legs, and her knees are shaking, and her hands are stiff and numb from, like, holding on so tight. Plus, there's a deepening chill right now. It's not looking like a good time. And she finally gets to a point where she sees the lights in their cottage, and it's described as dilapidated. So, as we've been reading, we've been learning just, like, how little they actually have. And it's the the descriptions of their cottage, as this chapter goes on, and I think a little bit into the next chapter, I can't remember exactly, It's just really sad, and it just seems like such a depressing place, especially Mm -hmm. when it wasn't always like that. So it's not like she's never known a different life. And, yeah. So Faber brings up painting as she's leaving, and she says, quote, well, she thinks, It was like striding through a living painting, painting, a fleeting moment of stillness, the blue swiftly shifting to solid darkness. And she's talking about the sky. And I don't know if I was just like trying to like read through, but I didn't like register her 
loving painting so much until she got to Prithian. I agree. I like, okay. <laughs> Am I not I don't the only know one? if maybe no, 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 no. Same here because I feel like I don't know if in like the beginning sometimes whenever they're and I know that this is not good, which is why I like rereading books. But when I'm reading a book for the first time, sometimes I will skim until there's dialogue which is not a good <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> and I feel like in the beginning of this book, I must have done that because I did not, I did not get her love of painting until, yeah, until like she was With truly able to start yeah. thinking about it in Prithian. I mean, like I knew that she painted their cottage, but I didn't I didn't notice all of these little bits where she was actually like thinking and visually seeing things like through the eyes of an artist. And like that's how the author is describing some of the things that she sees literally as if Feyre could try to paint it in her mind. Yeah, I actually did notice that stuff, which is so funny. You did? Yeah. Because, oh, like, wow. OK. <laughs> no, because it made me sad because there's so many points in there where she starts thinking creatively and her mind starts and going that way. And then she shuts it down. She's like, well, that's not important anymore because it, it's not putting food on the table. Yeah. So I yeah. cannot think that way. And it made me really sad for her. Yeah. 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 It just that's how it's making me feel this time. Yeah, it is. It's it's really sad. And I just like you, I must have skimmed. I don't know. I don't. I don't skim till dialogue, but I maybe I was reading quickly and just it, my brain was like, "This isn't important." <laughs> I don't we're know. also looking well, at this through like a different fans. lens. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you're we're right. Looking at it yeah. through a more analytical lens, so being like, "Oh, let me critically read this paragraph." True. True. Right. So the only thing that's keeping her moving is hunger, and the way that she thinks about her sisters really sets the reader up to also think a certain way, which is why I really liked when we got silver flames, because then you could see somebody else's perspective and the reasons why they are the way they are talking about Nesta, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) And so she would hear her sister's voices and she knew that they were likely quote chattering about some young man or ribbons they spotted in the village when they should be working on something for the family, like chopping wood. But she smiled a little anyways. She loves her family. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what we're led to believe is that these are like superficial young women Mm -hmm. chattering about a guy ribbons um it makes them seem dare i say a little bit um kind of like snotty or or dumb is how it's like coming off yeah snooty would be a good word snooty yeah Mm -hmm. like they're the ones that are really like grasping for that life that they had before is what it feels like they had more of that than she did to the point where they didn't even realize yeah, that's Nessa true says, Nessa says later on that she had no idea she couldn't even read because to her yeah she could so yeah. she's like it didn't she didn't think about that yeah Pharaoh was so young when it all happened um they all kind of like and I always say like you're a product of your environment but even these three sisters are each a product of their own environment of like how they were treated by their parents even though yeah. they lived in the same yeah. place yeah and so it like different parts in this showcases a weird dynamic between them. So she Farah separates herself from them because she's the one doing all the work. So she's obviously like the different one. 
And Mass lets us know that Farah acknowledges that and she acknowledges a little bit of resentment that she holds against her sister. So we like, that's there. We know it's there. Farah kicks the snow from her boots and reveals faded, quote, ward markings that were over the threshold. And I really like this part because I got to like dive a little deeper. So here's a quote from the book. My father had once convinced a passing charlatan to trade the engravings against fairy harm in exchange for one of his wood carvings. There was so little that my father was ever able to do for us that I hadn't possessed the heart to tell him the engravings were useless and undoubtedly fake. Mortals didn't possess magic, didn't possess any of the superior strength and speed of fairies or high fae. The man, claiming some high fae blood in his ancestry, had just carved the whirls and swirls and runes around the doors and windows, muttered a few nonsense words, and ambled on his way. So I was like, this is interesting. Yes. I was thinking, because I read whirls and swirls, I was like, I wonder if that has anything to do with her Um, her tattoo. tattoo. Her tattoo, if you will. I thought I meant to look it up, and I didn't. I like that. That's cool. So, using symbols to ward against um, uh, things that you don't want around, rather. Undesirable things, people, whatever. That's nothing new. So, I looked it up because it made me, honestly, it made me think of the Bible and putting a mark on your door so uh, the angel would pass Mm -hmm. over. Passover. Um, so I pulled an article from the artsociety.org and it's called The Ancient Symbols Once Used to Ward Away Witches. And it says it's almost Halloween. What, what? Let's talk about witches, bitches. Okay. So spooked. <laughs> we can do this there. Spooked by spirits. I know. I got scared for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Katie. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So it says, in a curious passage from his 1597 witch hunting manual, James VI of Scotland expressed the widespread fear in early modern Europe that the devil could take possession of a building. The reality of supernatural evil was almost universally acknowledged during the 16th and 17th centuries. Demons, evil spirits, and witches were genuinely believed to be stalking the land intent on wickedness. And it says an extension of these fears was that folk from all sectors of society sought to ward away the threat of evil from their property. Through careful, careful archaeological survey, researchers have been able to find traces of this ritual protection in historic buildings. And there's a picture here. It says medieval graffiti of a pentangle from St. James the Great Church. And it says one of the ways in which owners, occupants, and visitors to buildings sought to ward off evil was by carving protective symbols as graffiti into the structure's fabric. In doing so, they sometimes turn to an ancient folk beliefs and pseudo-theology for inspiration. So I just thought that that was pretty cool. Hmm. There's evidence of this in history and uh, real-time life. That is cool. You're welcome. <laughs> So Elaine is excited that Farah's home and she's like, Farah. And she's the middle child and she has golden brown hair just like all the sisters have. And even though they have been impoverished for eight years, Elaine still wants to look lovely. And she says, Where did you get that? 
Where do you think? No, I'm just kidding. I think it's just one of those things like, (laughs) you know. The undercurrent of hunger honed her words into sharpness that had become too common in recent weeks. No mention of the blood on me. I'd long since given up hope of them actually noticing whether I came back from the woods every night, at least until they got hungry again. And I said, that makes me really sad. I also think that they would notice. I think they're all bad at communication. Yeah. But yeah. they would notice if their sister didn't come back. It it does make me sad, though, because... Sure. They would notice because they wouldn't have food. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but besides that, I genuinely think that they're all stubborn in their own ways. Good so like, Lord. Realistically, like, they all could be like, we all need to help each other, but they're all too stubborn to, like, say anything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we do know that... We don't know now, but we know that Nessa does try to make it to Pharaoh when she's captured by mm-hmm. Tamlin. So there is there is a and Farrah underlying never would have thought that that no. would have been a thing. Heck no. So there's a very strong underlying love there, but like yeah, there's no communication. Uh, they just need to learn a lot from each other and help each other. And really, Good gosh, yeah. it's take it takes them like four books, and we still haven't gotten <laughs> Elaine's point of view. And personally, Homegirl could have planted some things that would help them eat. You know, fat fruits, vegetables, potatoes grow in the ground. I mean, come on. And not right. only that, but like, sure, that would only provide fresh fruits and vegetables for summer. But you like, dry you can it. things, you can mm-hmm. dry them, and like, they last Jar for it. months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't have been probably as filling as venison. I, I but think that at this point, you, you got to eat something. There are some people out there that have made right. like cabbage soup, which is just hot soup with cabbage. You're talking about Charlie Bucket? Think about all the things. <laughs> no, but it's that, true that people like. Think about all the things people came up with during the Depression. I mm-hmm. mean, like, so I think of like things that my gram used to make me all the time, and it was direct like recipes. She would like, she would like add things to, like, she would add cracker and egg to meat to make it have more meat you know like to like make it last longer because that was like what they had to do or like adding cracker and egg into just like chicken broth if you don't have actual pieces of chicken just for like something that's more filling with like ingredients that they could get in those times you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's a lot and then pharaoh mentioned something in her thoughts about her mother making her swear on her deathbed so she just that like briefly enters her mind Yes. Are, are we going to talk about what she swore yet, or is it a little later on? It's in, it's in my story. Okay. There you go. Because I, <laughs> I read something on the internet, and I was like, ooh, that's interesting, and then I couldn't find it, but go on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so her family was warming their hands by the hearth, and Nesta was ignoring her father as usual. Clearly a strained relationship there. And, quote, will it take you long to clean it? Me, not her. Not the others. I'd never once seen their hands sticky with blood and fur. I'd only learned to prepare and harvest my kills thanks to the instruction of others. So it is good that, like, she's getting some help from somebody in the town. Um, And that pisses me off, actually. Mm -hmm. It pisses me off that they're not helping. But it also is irritating that she won't ask for help. Mm Mm-hmm. So but she that whole thing help in some aspects. Yes. And like Nesta clearly just like ignores it, which is really frustrating. Like with chopping wood. I don't think she, but she does. It. She does a little I, bit. She I does chop a little though, bit of wood. <laughs> if because 
and we don't know Elaine's story because Elaine is quite as capable. Homegirl has two hands. She could have got out there and chopped wood as well. I agree. But I, I, at least with Nesta, we like, we've gotten her book. We kind of get a little bit of her backstory, but like, not only are these women and really their father as well, like they're all stubborn people. And she also is very prideful. And I think that like it, maybe something happened with her chopping wood. I don't know. Maybe she just doesn't like being bossed around by a younger sister, but at the same time, you could also go out and do things. Like, I'm not Correct. saying Nesta is perfect. I don't think anybody in this book is. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. I think that what bothers me is that, like, there are situations where I understand that, like, you, if you need help, you should ask for it. But, like, in this situation, she shouldn't have to ask for help. Do. Like, she's, she's doing something to keep all of them alive. So like I, realistically I don't you disagree would think with you. That's not something you should have to ask for help I, for. I genuinely think that Nesta's anger towards her father stunts her from doing a lot of things because she's waiting for him to get up and do something. And he doesn't. Yeah. And he ha- it won't until he go. If I'm being honest, I don't really like their dad, including coming back with that but stupid shit. Like, genuinely is crippled. Okay, then how did he go and get, like, the whole boat thing and come back and save them all or whatever? I don't like him that much. He could also be more helpful. And she's, she's one of the, like, and I completely get it. We're like, you're you're waiting for him to do something. Now it's been years. And she's one of those people that, like, well, I don't want to have to go and do it because I already said this, like, because she's. She's her. I'm not saying it's right or wrong or anything like that. I it, I just think that's from Nesta's POV. It's like her their dad could be more helpful is what she's thinking. And she's mad at him. And she's letting that anger take over. Her entire life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. realistically, they all have had a lot of trauma going up, growing up. Like, their mother was not kind as much as, like, she was yeah. to Nesta. Like, they really didn't grow up, with like, in a loving household. Yeah. And then to have them lose all of them. Their mother dies when they're all young. They lose all of their money and all of the fortune. Then they, like, their father gets attacked. And now everybody that they've grown up with, all of their friends for all those years, turn their back on them. Like, yeah. all of those things are super traumatic. None yeah, of these people sure. are healing very well. Correct. Um, so Farrah goes on to say that Elaine, when she asked how long will it take you to clean this, she wasn't being mean about it. It's just something that never occurred to her to go out and help. So that's what Farrah thinks about Elaine. And then she says, unlike Nesta, not says that, but like. Implied. Yeah. Unlike Nesta, like Nesta, Nesta would be mean about it essentially is what Farrah's thinking. And we've talked about this. I think that all of them have some self-centered bullshit going on. Nobody's talking to one another. Correct. And obviously there's some very damaged people. But we always have to think, like, not everybody's going to think like us or feel like us to be like, yes, let me go help you. Because we're not, I mean, obviously this is a fictional story, but there are damaged people that go and look to help. And then there are damaged people that completely shut down and don't. And so we have to think like, yeah, not everybody thinks the same to go and try and help someone when they see something in the need. And Nesta is described as being born with a sneer on her face. Why? It seems That's like probably all Feyre knows. 
and it also seems like their mother was like that. So like mm-hmm. her mother was teaching yeah. her. So let's. I want to know what's going on with her. I what made know, you she that way? Super kind. What made you that way? You know what I mean. Um. So that honestly, like, that's I, really sad. Yeah. Do we know exactly like the age difference between Nesta to Feyre? Three years. Nesta's three years older. Oh, oh that's dang! It. Yeah, I thought it was more too. baby to baby to baby. Yeah. So right, yeah, so right. currently, um, Farah's nineteen and Nesta would be twenty-two. So they're also really young. Okay. Yes. Gee, many Christmas. All right. <laughs> we 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 get a little bit of a, a tiny tiny backstory, a seedling, if you will. Oh my God! Farah bought Elaine some flower seeds, <laughs> and Elaine got Farah some paint. And Feyre, in her spare moments, painted their cottage with vines and flowers. Let's talk about these seeds, because Sarah has things to say. I just, uh, you should have been smart. And I get that she loves flowers, but, you know. So should Feyre have bought vegetable seeds? Because Feyre is the person who bought the flower seeds. Here's the thing, though. That doesn't, it's not surprising to me that Feyre would buy her flower seeds, like, because that's just, I think to me, like, that's something that Feyre would do. Would like, yes, it would have been smarter had you chosen vegetable seeds or whatever. Because then you could grow vegetables and then you could take those seeds and grow ne- more vegetables the next year, so on and so forth. But because... Well, they did with the flower seeds. Flowers. You could do that with flowers. That's great. What are flowers good like, for? Yeah, I don't know. Flowers Sell them. To make tea. Uh, that's true. Flower depending tea. on the flower. I don't know about flowers. <laughs> All I know is your hatred of certain ones. <laughs> <laughs> if they were wildflowers, wildflowers are all pretty. Hmm. But I, I think that there's definitely a handful of flowers that you could dry and make tea out of that. I mean, not that that's something that would fill them, but it would be like a. I don't know, like a little treat every now and then. At least give them something worthwhile with the seeds, you know. And they do talk about how much they like tea and how they can't afford it anymore. It's like splitting I don't seeds, it, man. Splitting yeah. seeds. Farah then says that they hadn't had a summer that easy since, meaning that like they actually had some extra funds to even think about purchasing gifts for each other. Um so Pharaoh's father said, what luck you had today in bringing us such a feast. And Nesta snorted. She's so mean. The actions of, I the genuinely actions think, of her family just really I think that snort to was towards end. her father and not Pharaoh. That's what I meant. Okay. For sure. Because I like, wrote him a note <laughs> and I'm sure. like, she's so, she's so mad at him. Mm-hmm. She's so mad at him. Yeah, she definitely, like, she's in a situation, Nesta, is in a situation that is really unhealthy for her mental health, having to be around her father all the time, somebody that she clearly doesn't want to have anything to do with. And, like, I understand, I understand her anger towards him, especially, like, especially after reading Silver Flames, but, like, the way the way that she handles this situation and obviously like this is what makes the story is just like, it's not healthy for anybody, her included to like be this way, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just want to like tell her. Correct. But I think, girl, I I think her anger 
is her defense mechanism. Before anything else happens, yeah. before people know that she's vulnerable, she's going to throw that wall up and just be the mean one because that's what people call her. Oh, she's the mean yeah. one. So, like, that's what they're going to expect from her. So that's what she's going to give you because it's easy for her and it's her defense mechanism. It's so Because I think right sad. now she's mad both at herself and her father. I think she, I mean, I think she hates herself a lot. Yeah. And we see a lot of that, obviously, in Silver Flames. But like going back and reading this, I'm like, it, it, it's painful. Mm-hmm. It's painful. And yes, it's fiction, blah, but people are like this. Mm-hmm. It's sad. So, I mean, I, to a point, I understand her father not being able to hunt because of his leg, but I don't think that that means that he is completely useless. Like he couldn't, like he could help her cut some stuff, clean the meat, Put that dry the meat, the table. skin the deer, etc. Like there are things that he can do that don't involve like lifting the entire deer or like having to be stealthy in the woods, trying to if, kill something. And if he had a chair, he could sit there and he could skin the deer. You don't have to stand right. to do that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like he could help yes. in other ways where he doesn't. And I, and I think that that just, I mean, like we said, all of them have trauma in their own way. And he, I mean, he went through something incredibly traumatic as well. And not that I, not that I like him and I'm defending him for any reason, but like going through what he went through where he was successful. He felt like he could provide for his family. He lost all of that. And then people literally assaulted him to the point where like his bones were crushing and it's, and they had to use a ton of their money to try to like help him heal and it just, like, made that money dwindle faster. Like, that is traumatic, too. Yeah. So, like, they just all don't handle. But, like. Again. And, like, we talk about this in Swish and Flick, like, with Harry Potter. Like, <laughs> these people need therapy. And yeah. it just yeah. doesn't exist. I think that, I will say, though, I think this, the books. these books do a better job of helping people with their mental help in the series. Um, not yeah, always. Tamlin's not great at it. But but I also think well. it's it's interesting to note that their father only did things when he had money. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. That is interesting. You're right. For sure. Um, also, just pointing out that obviously Nesta and Elaine could help not only with the drying and cutting of the meat, but also with the hunting if they wanted to. Um, Nesta lets her anger hold her back, and we don't really know what holds Elaine back yet, but hopefully... We will learn. Her flowers hold her back. <laughs> I don't care for Elaine. I just. I don't either. She's I a little bit of a uh, wet noodle, if yeah, I'm honest. And like, I, I just. Lucia's hot. Here's my thing. Come on. Lucia's <laughs> hot. I love like, him. What the heck? <laughs> um, I think that I don't. I mean, if they really are mates, cool. I'm cool with it because I love him. Hope you read the um, series. <laughs> well, I mean, we talked about this in the first I know, episode. I know. I'm just being a butt. But I really, truly hope that she does not end up with Azrael because I don't think I'd fit. I'd, I would put the book down. I and feel I like Azrael deserves so much better. Huh? Yeah. Azrael deserves so much better. I agree. I agree. So. I don't. Yeah. I don't think she'd be able to handle him. But I. It's just my personal opinion that I don't want them together. Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, we think Azrael is like, he 
he's the quiet one. But then Sarah J. Moss says that he's like also the kinkiest. And then we've got Elaine. She's the quiet one. What do we not know about Elaine? I don't know. I'm sure we'll I find out. Maybe they would be nude. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that I genuinely, I think part of a big part I mean, of the reason I he wants agree. to be with her is because he likes the idea of the three brothers with the three sisters. Not saying that like he doesn't like her for other reasons, but um, dude, don't date her. <laughs> dude, don't <laughs> date her. Yeah. I just want to see that wingspan. That's all I want. I just want to see that wingspan. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and I'm lamb. <laughs> it's the biggest one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so any bit of praise talking about what Feyre's father says to her, any bit of praise for anyone usually resulted in Nesta's dismissal. But like Sarah said, I think that, I think that that wasn't a dismissal at the praise that Feyre was getting. It was just a dismissal at her father talking about anything that Feyre did for them because like he should be the one providing, not Feyre. Um, so Farah does point out that their father at times can fill their heads with useless talk of regaining their wealth. So, you know, again, talking about how like, yeah, he only does things for them when it involves like when he has money or like he's constantly just thinking about getting that money back and how that will help them eventually. But like Farah is trying to be realistic and be like, well, it's been what it's been like eight years. Right. So is it realistic that that that's going to come back, especially when he's clearly not really trying to get it back. Yeah. Um, he so thinks like, what is it just going to like, I, he thinks knock, that knock, knock on the door missing ship is going to be coming back, which technically, I mean, it right. does, but it doesn't. Cause like Tamlin does yeah. this magic fate stuff, but right. You know what's frustrating? It does knock, knock, knock. Here's money. This is true. It happens. I know. <laughs> you're right. That is frustrating. Cause you're like, you kind of, I mean, not that anybody deserves to live like that, but you kind of, like, he brought it upon himself, and it's frustrating that, like, he was just handed a way out, you know? Yeah. Um, so, Feyre's talking about how Nesta is going to spend any money that Feyre doesn't hide from her, and also didn't acknowledge their father's presence at all. And she explains that they could eat, Feyre's explaining about the deer that they could eat half the meat this week and then dry the rest for next week. And she'll also go to the market tomorrow to sell the hides. Um, Nesta would say that he could find work if he wasn't so ashamed, which could be true. But like I said before, like it also still would be difficult. There are definitely certain things that he could do. And I think that he just is really, he's he's really depressed. Like I think that that is probably a big root of why he doesn't try. He has major depression in my opinion. Um, Which seems to be solved with the money he gets. Yes. So yeah, because he's totally fine as soon as Tamlin. But I think they do they give him something funds. to like help him, I will say that. In in defense his of their leg, father. I'm mean? pretty sure he gets like some type of medicine after all of this to help him with his leg. I don't remember. I don't, remember. I don't remember, but we'll get there. Someday we'll, we'll be reminded, <laughs> but still, I don't, I don't, I don't care for him. I don't care for Joe. I don't care for Joe B. Either. I love all these characters. I don't care for. I love all these characters equally. What's his first name? Do we know? Douchebag. I don't. Oh. Think so. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I say that because Reese's his whole family. No one has a name. 
He doesn't even have a last right. name. <laughs> You're right. Someone, someone on the internet, they're like, his last name's probably Darling, and that's why he calls her Fair Darling. Ooh. And then, like, she has another character in one of her other books, which is Fenry's. They're like, if Fenry's, moon, Fenry's Moonbeam is blah, blah, blah's name, like, his name could totally be Reese Dar- Sand Darling. <laughs> I love that. What is this Peter Pan? Yeah, I was going to say, what is this Peter Pan? <laughs> oh, his, both her father and mother are unnamed. I never realized that until this moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How weird. Yeah, Reese's sister is never named. His mother is never named. His father is never named. What's Tamlin's father's name? I don't know if we know that either. Jamlin. Papa Tam. <laughs> Jamlin. <laughs> so he has two unnamed brothers and an unnamed father and an unnamed mother. Good night. Sarah, come on. <laughs> you could you could get a little creative. Tell us. Their names Tell could us. be like John, Luke, and Brian. And their mom, his mom's name could be Celia. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. <laughs> Axe Romans. <laughs> First and Tom second Lincoln's Corinthians. <laughs> <laughs> the book of revelations <laughs> he spends all his time in the library oh god uh. um okay so do we i i guess i was i was wondering i was like really it would make more sense if nesta and elaine would try to find something but do you think like in this society there's not really anything for women to find and that's why. I also I think know. that they seem to be in a very poor village. So I don't know if yeah. there's any work to be had because other people are also true. struggling. So like in the next yeah, chapter, when the children of the blessed are there, um, mm-hmm. Pharaoh like acknowledges how clean this person is like more than once. Like she's really focused on the cleanliness of that person, like no smudges, no nothing. So that does make me think like, Maybe well, there's nothing for them to do. Because I, she says that Isaac Hales it comes from the only wealthy farmer. Like, that's his father. Yeah. Um, Which they yeah. probably and run everything. She talks about um, Thomas and how his family, she's like, they're just as poor off as we are. She's like, and all you're going to be is like, none of their mouth to feed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Feyre talks about when the creditors came to smash their father's knee. Oh. Um, so she, this is like, I just, I just like how, I like how we go. I like whenever we can like see the thought process of somebody like this, how like we're in the moment right now where she like is, you know, getting ready to skin this deer, but we're also like now in her mind of like all these things that she's probably thinking about just because of the conversation that's going on in the house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so the creditor and his thugs had burst into their cottage and smashed their father's knee again and again. And Nesta and Elaine fled into the bedroom and barricaded the door, AKA locking Feyre out as well from safety, which annoys me. Mm. I mean, but she also um, didn't flee. So like, I don't, I think they ran and, she just didn't go with them. I yeah, I agree. But like, you would think that you would want to at least try to like get your little sister to safety. She also might not remember because this is a traumatic event, and sometimes you don't remember exactly this is what true. happened. Things could be blocked. Yeah, like the door. Shut up. <laughs> so Farah had stayed. 
<laughs> uh, stayed and begged and wept through every scream of her father's and every crunch of bone, Ooh. which is just like gross. Um, gross. And it, like the the first thing that I thought of, I was like, how on earth does something like that heal in this world with like probably not, very like, poorly no real medicine, you know, which is why it's well, probably just jacked your bones up. heal themselves. So it probably healed, but not in the proper yeah, but way. It's, like, crushed. Again, right. <laughs> a crushed bone. I mean, you, they really, they'll put it like. Yeah, but it's not going to like heal perfectly. Well, nothing's like, perfect. There's no one there to reset it. Yeah, if it's smashed to smithereens. They're still, they'll, they'll come back together. But that's part of the reason why I can't walk well because. Yeah, probably because it's, it's not healed really wonky. Yes. Right. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I meant. Teddy's like, yeah. So. I agree. <laughs> he agrees. He's happy. Um, so Farah recalls that she had soiled herself and then vomited before the hearth, and that was when <laughs> the men left and they never saw them again. Um, so because of like this whole situation that happened with her dad, they had to use a huge chunk of their remaining money to pay. I was I was wondering what that word was. Chunch. Chunk. Because yeah. <laughs> I was reading crunch. Um, conch is what I was reading and oh. hearing in my head. And it had taken him six months to be able to just walk and a year before he could go a mile. And they ran out of their money five years ago. So even after their money ran out, their father couldn't or wouldn't. She, I think that she says it that way because she's yes. not really sure. <clears throat> Um, so he couldn't or wouldn't move much about and hadn't argued when Ferris said that she would go hunting. I think part of that, too, is like he before when he had all the money and before the, the fortune was lost was probably a very proud man where like he had the money and he was like part of like high society or whatever they called it then mm-hmm. mm. walking without assistance. And people tend to even nowadays look at people different when they have to use like a cane or a walker or whatever. But especially then they're like, Oh, he, or maybe he just, he doesn't want people to know like to stare at him or even know that he like lost all of their money and he owed money to creditors and it's a pride issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he needs to get over it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You're correct. I also sometimes forget, like, just how dangerous it is to go out into the woods around their house because of how close they are to Prithian. Like, because the beginning of this book reminds me so much of The Hunger Games. Not that it wasn't dangerous for Katniss to go out hunting, but, like, the creatures that Katniss was going to find in the woods are very different than the creatures that Feyre could find in the woods. Depending on how far she goes into the forest. Um, So back to the conversation that's going on currently in the room. Elaine says that she would love a new cloak. And Nesta says she needed new boots. Even though Feyre looks over at Nesta's still shiny boots by the door. So shiny. Um, Mm. And realistically, Feyre needed boots, but they're, you know, each of them are thinking about themselves, and Feyre included. Like, they're all thinking of themselves and what they need with the money. 
not what the other needs. So Elaine is pleading, saying she would shiver to death without a new cloak, and she whined to... Feyre describes it as whining. I think she describes it as, like, the worst sound. (laughs) The worst sounding whine that she's ever heard or something like that, saying, please, Feyre. She, like, describes how she, like, whines Feyre's name. Um, So the girls are quarreling, Elaine and Nesta, not Feyre. And Feyre just drowns them out. And honestly, if I was Feyre, I would have just bought myself the shoes and given them nothing. But, you know, that's me and not Feyre. So, like, she's the one who's going out into the woods and her shoes are going to go much faster than theirs are because she's actually, like, utilizing them a lot more. Well, her saying that she wants a new pair of boots isn't dumb because hers are the one that are the most messed up. You know, she's every right to be like... Stop being greedy. I need new boots. But I, I. But again, I think that it is important to point out that I think I think a lot of like Elaine and Nesta saying those things is because they grew up with money for longer than Feyre did. So like the idea of a, of Nesta wanting new boots, like maybe normally at the point where her boots are now, she would have gotten new ones before. You know what I mean? But like. Now that's not the case because they have no money. Sarah? She might also be saying that knowing that she, that Feyre needs new boots and just to say it. Like, I need new boots, even though she knows hers are shiny and Feyre's truly are not. Yeah. Do you think they are will bits? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Oh, we're all going to be fine. (laughs) Uh, So their father's at the table inspecting the deer, and then he sees the wolf pelt, and he asks Farah where she got it. And she kind of, like, (laughs) sharply says, uh, the same place I got the deer. I would have said the same. (laughs) Same. I would have been like, where do you think? Where do you think I got it? Like Dummy. (laughs) It was right outside the door, man. I just picked it up. I said, oh, hey. Oh, hey. And his eyes are actually, like, watering. And he says, Farah, the risk. And this pisses me off because I'm like. I'm done with him. It took you. It took this for you to realize the risk that you make her take. Like. Tell me. She takes risk every time she goes out into the woods. What on earth, like, do you think could happen? Of course this could happen. Here they are. Anytime they leave the house, they're wearing their little iron bracelets that don't do anything. Right. And yet they're like, okay, go ahead, go go run in the right, woods. Like, like he's food. so scared that he, you know, whenever they had money, bought them those iron bracelets. He had these marks put over the door. He, but I don't he, think he bought them those iron bla- bracelets. I think they bought them. They bought them themselves. Yes. Well, like, so he pays he to have. <laughs> he would have bought all three of them, and it's only Nesta and Elaine that have the iron bracelets. Oh, I didn't realize Feyre didn't have one. <laughs> she doesn't I didn't remember one. that. But, um, I mean, like, he clearly knows that there's danger because he pays to have these, like, marks engraved over their doorway. But he's just like, yeah, <clears throat> go ahead, go hunt. But, I mean, if it's oh, not wow, right in front risk, of his face, Feyre, the risk. he can ignore it. <sighs> and he could think, like, oh, I'm doing all I can for my family. No, the... No, you're not. Uh, let's get away from them. Let's hurry and speed read because I'm. <laughs> let's o- just get to book I'm, three. I'm over them. Or, I know. Or, I'm you so know, tired. Or of even talking two about Nesta and Elena, and we've talked about them for two episodes. So <laughs> this is great. Um, 
<laughs> Farrah goes, I had no other choice. And then at this point is when Nesta crinkles her nose and says, you stink like a pig covered in its own filth. Can't you at least try to pretend that you're not an ignorant peasant? What? Oh, bitch. Oh, my God. You know, they say misery loves company. I just correct. Like, girl, I get that you're struggling, but what the bleep? (laughs) That is just she literally brought you dinner for two weeks and you have done nothing to help with it. You're not going to help clean it. You're not going to help dry it. She had to, like, beg you to chop some frickin' wood. GTFO, get out of here. I'm done with Nesta. Like, let's, seriously. At, at this point in this book, I'm done with her. Let's be honest about what Feyre could have done. She could have left all of them. And she could have made a life for herself by hunting for herself, for sure. feeding herself, clothing herself. Imagine how long that deer she, would last just for her. She wouldn't have had to spend money on these fools. You know what I mean? She could have actually... Peace out on all y'all, but you're lucky that she likes to keep promises. I mean, I think that we should just give her a little grace. Because, yeah, I mean, they're all angry. I think what she said is effed up. Yeah, it's effed up. But she'll learn eventually. Take some time. No, totally. And I'm glad that we got that Silver Flames, too, because it really unlocks a lot. It doesn't excuse, Mm -mm. but it unlocks a lot and makes me understand. You know what I mean? Makes me it's understand, but it doesn't make me like her. Fair. I mean, that's that's, that's, me. that's fine. That's I, my relationship. I with think Nesta. I love Nesta enough for everybody. I think you do as well. Because genuinely, this is, like, this is great. I to me, like, I am uh, Nesta and Cassian together. I'm like their child. You make a child, and that's me. Oh my me. god! But you like are. Yes. <laughs> Why are you always lying? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god stop lying <laughs> literally that real brings me so much I know sometimes I'll just send it to Sarah I'll like go back through and I'll be like send it to Sarah <laughs> uh, <clears throat> oh god alright let us continue. So Feyre does not let that show just how much it hurts her. Um, especially the part about being called an ignorant pre- ignorant peasant because she really had been too young at the time to learn any more than basic manners, the very basics of reading and writing. And we later on learn, like, she really doesn't know how to read at all. Almost kills her. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally. Again, Lucian's cool. Um, before her family... Wait, was it Lucian? Yeah. It was, right? Well, Rhysand. I'm sorry, that's right. Lucian was the one that was going to die. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I remember. Um, but anyway, that was before her family fell into misfortune. And according to how Feyre feels, Nesta never let her forget it. But then we do learn on, later on that I don't think Nesta realized just how much she didn't know about that stuff. Um, so Nesta tells her to take her disgusting clothes off. Feyre takes her time. She's holding her tongue. She doesn't want to snap the things at her that she wants to. And we go back into her head a little bit. And we find out Nesta is three years older than Feyre, but somehow still looks younger. And Feyre comments on how, like, she always looks like she's got, like, this nice little blush on her cheeks. And 
maybe she's a little jealous of that because she probably feels a little rough because she's the one that's always going out into the woods and doing all the tough work. Yeah, maybe. Um, so Farah asks her, can you make a pot of hot water, add some wood to the fire? And then she notices there's only five logs left. And she says, I thought you were going to chop wood today. And Nessa just says, well, I hate chopping wood because I always get splinters and you're so much better at it. And it <laughs> takes you half the time it takes me and your hands are already rough and suited for it. Not okay. Oh, my God. Not okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I remember before I was reading. I see. I just remember reading the first couple chapters <laughs> of this book being like, her sisters are such bitches. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're not great. I think I had... Mm. I think I had just started court, so I was like in this part, right, where like you, you were just like, can't I stand hate them. Nesta and Elaine. <laughs> yeah, and I remember you saying, "Well, they get better," and then I remember reading this and going, "How?" Wait, and then you know what's interesting <sighs> is I think a lot of people because we see a lot of uh, Nesta being Nesta right here, um, but like you don't see Elaine being like, "Well, I could have." She also could have gone out and chopped wood. Like I know she asked Nesta to do it, but why can't Lena do it? Yeah, not Elaine. That is her name. Totally. You said Lena? But I think I I think <laughs> one, I, I also wonder like part of why like Nesta and Feyre like butthead so much is they're very similar. Yeah. 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 But anyways, go on. Um, we get Nesta is described looking most like their mother, especially when she wanted something. So this is probably extra hard for Feyre because we already know that Feyre has they all do, I think, but we're obviously seeing this through her POV. She has a hard relationship with her mother. So then seeing the same kind of personality traits come through Nesta, it's probably very difficult for her. Um, but she clenches her jaw, calms her breathing, and she says, please get up at dawn and chop the wood. And Nesta says, I will do no such thing. But Feyre just ignores that she walks away to their room to get changed. So we get a view of their bedroom. Um, it does say it's large enough to hold a rickety dresser. Ow, Teddy. And their enormous ironwood bed that all three of them share, which is, we get glimpses of that too. Like she talks about how they would like just try and get warmth from each other during the hard winter nights. It's just really sad. Um, but it's all they have left of their past life. It was a wedding gift from their father to their mother. They'd all been born in that bed. It was the same bed that their mother died in. Um, and I thought this was really interesting. She says in all the painting... <laughs> in all the painting I'd done to our house these past few years, I'd never touched it. I just think that's really interesting. Like, obviously, she's not in love with this dilapidated house that they have, but like, she has put her touches throughout the house, but she's never done it here. And they leave the bed, don't they? Like, it's still there when Nesta and yeah. Cassian go and visit the house. Like, that's mm -hmm. interesting to me. Mm. She only takes that. She only takes that wooden rose, right? That's, yeah, that's it. Remember. Interesting. Which kind of makes me think of Eddie. But also, can you imagine Lincoln like Cassie oh, and like yeah. breaking down the bed and then like bringing it back <laughs> like on his back? <laughs> oh my I love god! Your little hand wings. <laughs> oh god! Sorry. <laughs> um, and then I love this. We get a little description of the paintings on the dresser, and this is brought up in a later book. Yeah. But she had painted violets and roses for Elaine. Crackling flames for Nessa and then the night sky with whirls of yellow stars for Feyre. And that perfectly lines up with things about them later on, which is super cool. Well, maybe Elaine will get with Tamlin. A lot of people think she belongs in the spring court, which I don't think. Maybe she Leave. does. Leave. 
I mean, but she could also <laughs> wind truly. up in the spring court with Lucian. Correct. But also, yeah, but he's going to he be really in the want to d- be in the spring court. You know, what he's I mean? going to be he's with his band of whatever. Let me say this about called. Lucian. I think and I'm sorry for fans of his legitimate biological father. I think he's going to die and he's going to realize that he is the high lord of. Is he from the day court? Yeah. She'd be wonderful in the day. Eh. She would be. So that's my prediction is that he's Noodle. going to die. So. I did also like how she uses the word, Sarah J. Moss uses the word whirls or I said whirls in my head but she uses that a lot but even like how it's described here because then when she gets the tattoo later with Reese it's also the same word um, I just like how like we get a lot of those bonds way here in the beginning in what chapter two um, so they ate roasted venison that night I know Tiff's probably had venison have you guys had venison because it's I've, super good I have not I've had deer jerky that counts does it Yes. I told Meg she would <laughs> have really I, like I know, it. but like, have I eaten it now that I think about it? I don't know. I think I have. I can get you some. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah. He's, oh his God. name is your dad. It's exceptionally <laughs> lean. Yes. Um, it's very good. It is good. I like it grilled. Right. But I also don't, I don't like to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I can't think about it like with any animal. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I just got to eat it. from the that, store, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. From my parents' razor, right? <laughs> um, so even though it's foolish, Favorite does let everybody have a small second helping. Maybe she's just feeling really good about her catch. You know, they got a lot of extra food right now. You, you can splurge on yourself. You're going to regret it now in two weeks. Right? Well, she won't, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> So she plans out the next day for prepping the deer and getting the hide to sell and all that. And I like what you said, Meg, about how, like, and I didn't notice this. We just, like, follow her pattern of thought, which is really cool because it's literally how a person's mind goes. Like, you don't just think literally through life. (laughs) You kind of just, like, go in and out. I guess if you think about it, we get... We get that in Harry Potter, too, with, like, Harry's POV. But I just feel like the way that Sarah J. Moss writes is very different. And the fact that we're, like, we're, like, in Feyre's head differently than mm-hmm. we're in Harry's head. It's, like, just the her – I mean, obviously, because they're different people. So, like, the way that Wait, they are thinks in her, in her thought processes and stuff, I I just like a lot. And and yeah, like I I love how you can you can see with the way that she thinks sometimes like you can you can tell that she's an artist at heart. Yeah, and I love that. Mm-hmm. So she thinks about her mother more. We get a little bit more background on that. She's described as imperious and cold with her children, but she was joyous and dazzling to all the peers who had come to their estate. She did dote on their father. Um, she he was the only one that she actually truly loved and respected. You think that she would also love and respect her children? Uh, <laughs> she loved parties so much that she didn't make any time for Feyre at all. Um, and Feyre thinks, had she lived long enough to see our wealth crumble, she would have been shattered by it, more so than my father. Perhaps it was a merciful thing that she died. If anything, it left more food for us. There was nothing left of her in the cottage beyond the ironwood bed and the vow I'd made. 
So she's got some pretty harsh thoughts about her mom, but I also can't, I can't blame her for it. Yeah. She often thinks of walking and walking and never looking back. But then she remembers that vow from 11 years ago, which would make her eight at the time. Mm-hmm. And again, she has two that older sisters and a father. So crazy to put that on an eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, so this vow that her mother made on her deathbed, which was stay together and look after them. Go, Sarah, go. I want to know. Well, so I, I tried to find it because I saw it on like a post on Instagram. And it basically, did, from what I remember, said something about the why, the reason she asked um, Farah is because she didn't really see in her like something worthy of like being someone. So like she knew that like Elaine and Nesta were going to like get married and like have families and like be able to prosper that way. But she didn't think that um, Farah was going to go that route basically. That's some trash. Well, I don't think their mom was great, <laughs> Tiffany. And then I was also thinking, I'm like, maybe she just knew, like, did she have a f- no, feeling of what was going to happen in the future? I don't know. Maybe she's still alive. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because if you think about it, I mean, obviously, like, looking ahead in these books, she still does work to fulfill this vow, even once they're all in Prithian, you know? Well, and I think part of it is not even the vow, but, like, they genuinely all love each other. They just... Don't know how to say that because again they grew up with a mother that clearly didn't care about them. Um, so like their view of love was only she only really loved her husband. And so like she put on a show and put on an act for all of her peers, and she was cold to her children. So like they didn't grow up with like a warm mother that was like loving them and caring for them, you know. It was all about like when you were married and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you're Feyre, I don't talk to you. <laughs> right. I don't teach you nothing. Yeah. Um, so she makes this vow and Feyre agrees to it because she's too young to ask, why aren't you asking my older sisters? Why aren't you asking my dad? Um, and this is very important later in a lot of different parts of these books. I didn't catch this, obviously, the first time I was reading it. Right. I was um, like, mm, call out. She says, a promise was law, a promise was currency, a promise was your bond. Do you think this is like her first, and like I know she didn't get a tattoo from this, but maybe this is in it, like a, a thing on her brain that says, you're going to want a lot of tattoos, so make a lot of bargains. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you are addicted to ink. Literally, I promise saw another post where like, it's like Fair was just asking to like have bargains with everyone so she can get new tattoos. Jeez. <laughs> And they're like, I get you know it, girl, I get sad. it. Oh, my God. It's sad that they disappear when you fulfill it, though. Yeah, but at least you don't have to, like, feel pain when you get it. Yeah, but you could also get real tattoos. That's true. Yeah. Or temporary <laughs> so tattoos. Be like, yeah, I promise. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's make a bargain. You can draw on yourself and, like, with gel something stupid. <laughs> Sharpie. Just a tattoo. What? Draw on yourself with gel uh, pen. Well, and they say that, like, the swirls and whirls on, like, the men... Or because they, like, promised each other that, like, they would always have each other's back or something like that. Mm, That's an internet theory. Oh, in the internet. They're best friends forever. Best friends forever. Best friends forever. Tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah. So sometimes Feyre thinks she hated her mother for even asking her. Um, And here's another reason of maybe why she did. She thinks perhaps she was delirious with fever. She hadn't even known what she was demanding. Or maybe... 
Impending death had given her some clarity about the true nature of her children and her husband. Yikes. <laughs> That's deep. Um, so Nessa's complaining about the villagers. We're back to, we're back to everybody. We're not just in Feyre's head anymore. She's complaining about the, the villagers. Feyre kind of like tunes in to Nessa saying, Well, I said to him, if you think you could just ask me so nonchalantly, sir, I'm going to decline. And you know what Thomas said? And Feyre goes, whoa, 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 wait. What? Thomas Mandray? Woodcutter's second son? And like we... funny is I always called him Tomas. So did I. I don't know why. So did I, but then I heard these two say Thomas. (laughs) Oh, I always said Tomas. It could be Tomas. (laughs) I just read it. (laughs) Tomas! That's some people's name. I swear. Hey, Thomas has an H. Okay. I... Until I read it again, I thought there was an H's name because I like skimmed over because I'm like, I don't care about this piece of garbage. Never thought of that. Tomas. Kind of like Tobias. Funke? Tomas. Let's see. I mean, I guess if it was like a different language, you would probably pronounce it Tomas. Like. Yeah. I don't know. Tiffany is tickled. (laughs) Um, Tiffany is tickled. But. Tomas, Thomas, whoever, you want to, whatever you want to call him, we find out some pretty shady stuff about him later. He's on. a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, he's my a major here. POS. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, where were we? Oh, you said he's Your a part. piece. Yeah, of I, shit. yeah, I called him a piece of shit because he is. He's a terrible, terrible human. So yes, yeah, Nesta confirms that Tomas or Thomas is the woodcutter's son. And then I probably would also do what Favor does because she would like to know, she wants to know what he wants and that um, she kind of also looks to her father to see like what his reaction is, which is none. Um, He's kind of got like this far off look at his face, not look at, on his face. He's kind of looking towards Elaine and it's noted that like, I think she's like the prettiest one out of the three of them. I disagree. Hate her. Just kidding. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it says that she's the only one that really bothers to talk to him, which like re- rereading this, it also like is interesting to me because favor kind of talks about the fact that she just wants her sisters like gone and married. So like, it could just be her and her father. Like later on, she has mentioned it. We're like, it's, I'm like, okay, whatever. So yeah, apparently Thomas has asked to marry Nesta or wants to marry her. Um, and she cocks her head towards like Feyre and like to ask if there's a problem. And she's like, Feyre notes like the way she does it, that's how, the animals kind of move their head when she's about to like shoot at them. <laughs> and so <laughs> Feyre reacts to her saying like, is there a problem? Feyre to you can't chop wood for us, but you're going to marry a woodcutter's son, which is <laughs> funny. Um, so Nesta's response is, I thought all you wanted was for us to get out of this house, to marry me and Elaine off. And so you could have enough time to paint your glorious masterpieces. So like, Come on, Nesta. Go to therapy. So everybody it brings up the f- evidence of like Farah's paintings and like that she likes to paint. We know this. So like the evidence of it is all around their house, like on the table. She says like in little nooks and crannies, she has stuff painted. Um, we know she painted the dresser. So on the table itself, the, she painted some foxglove on the edge of it. Um, and she may do without like she's talking about like now the painting on the table. And now she may do without having any white paint, but like the critic in herself um, is saying like, it's too dark and, you know, she's even thinking about covering it with her hands, but like she doesn't want to make it like known to Nesta like that what she said has bothered her. Um, and then she's like, maybe I'll just scrape it off the next day. Um, 
And so I went to the good old Google to look up what Foxglove is. So it's um, also called Digitalis. I don't know. It's really pretty. It's like got a longer stem. It kind of reminds me a little bit of um, what are those? What are the talking ones that I really like? Dragon. Drag. Snapdragon. Snapdragons. So it looks similar to like to that to me a little bit. Um, and it's like Weeping Bell. Yeah, yeah. And like the picture that I see on the internet <laughs> is purple. I I think there might be other colors. I'm not totally sure. I think pink These and the, purple. Put that are put that common. on your Pokemon list. Weeping Bell. <laughs> is that really These one? Are the flowers yeah. like oh, where little bee yeah. butts stick out of, and it's cute. Um, yeah. So Faber's response to Nesta is, believe me, the day you want to marry someone worthy, I'll march up to his house and hand you over, but you're not going to marry Thomas. And also, we know that uh, he is not worthy. She doesn't marry him. Um, and we also know that like, when she does end up with the, the male she's going to end up with for the rest of her life, or I don't know, however long they're going to live, um, technically, she makes them live together, but... <laughs> She herself doesn't think she's worthy of Cassian, so there's that. I'm sure people aren't like, she's not. You're wrong. Anyways. Then we find out from Nesta <laughs> that Claire Bedore, she's like, she told me that Thomas is going to propose to me soon, in the next coming days. And so then she's like, so I won't have to be eating scraps again. Um, and she also calls Favor out for her time, like, with, that she spends with, like, Isaac Hale, basically, like, romping through the... I think she's like a romp through the hail or something. Not the hail. The it hay. Is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, romp through the hail. I mean, I mean it's, it's not wrong. Same thing. <laughs> it's not wrong. So we haven't seen Isaac yet. We don't see Claire um, alive, I don't think. No. So Claire, we're going to see later on because it's when asked by Reese when she first like meets him, like what her name is. She doesn't really doesn't want to give her full name, like her actual name. So mm-hmm. she gives Claire Bedor, which unfortunately uh, is the reason why her life has ended. But you know, I don't know with this coming war if she would have survived it anyways. Mm-hmm. But this certainly shortened her life. Um, so she was taken because they thought it was Feyre. Well, not he knew it wasn't her once he saw her, but he didn't know that it was not her name. Right. Um, and she lives in their village. Obviously, she starts with Nesta. And then there's Isaac Hale, and he was Feyre's first romantic relationship. I wouldn't even really call it romantic relationship. I think they were pretty casual. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides, like, her, once she leaves in Chapter 5, um, she doesn't... That's when, like, their relationship ends. But it was not ended on, like... Um, like a sour note or anything like they both, cause they see each other later on. He's married. She's her. So like, they both are like, Ooh, we've moved on. It's fine. Like no hard feelings kind of a thing. <laughs> so reading from the book, it says her father let out an embarrassed cough, looking to his cat by the fire, probably being like, can I get out of here? Yeah. Um, he never said a word against Nesta for either fear or guilt. And apparently he wasn't going to start now, even if this was the first he was hearing of Isaac. So Feyre then asks what or says that Thomas's family is barely better off than theirs, and to them it's just another mouth to feed. <laughs> um, but Thomas knew we'd run in. This is again reading from the book. But Thomas knew we'd run into each other in the forest before. I'd seen that gleam of desperate human in his eyes when he spotted me sporting a brace of rabbits. I'd never killed another human, but that day my knife, my hunting knife, felt like a weight at my side. I'd kept out of his way ever since. And I was like, realistically, we know what kind of a man he is. He's a literal piece of trash. Um, 
Also, in case you care, uh, a brace of rabbits is two rabbits. <laughs> I Googled it. Did not know. Um, so Pharaoh reminds them that they have nothing to do or nothing to give for a dowry. No money. I said, no money, honey. Um, they have nothing. <laughs> and then Nesta claims that they're in love, which makes me laugh because I highly doubt it. And Pharaoh's like, even points out that she wanted to laugh. And I literally wrote, I was like, you should have, because come on. Um, and she also points out like love does not feed people. Unfortunately, like that's not going to keep a belly full. True. So Nest is obviously upset and she's lashing out. And I think she's more like angry that she's like being called out. Cause she's like, dude, you're not in love and they're not going to be able to feed you. And again, she probably also, well, I don't know if she knows yet truly how much of a piece of shit, um, Thomas is. Cause I don't know if he's showed her, like, I, I, I don't know if she know any regardless. So whatever. So she, she lashes out and she claims that Feyre is just jealous because they know that Isaac is set to marry another woman or marry a woman from another village. Um, and so just because I wanted to Google dowry, um, in case you didn't know, it says dowry is like the money, goods, or estate that a woman brings to her husband or his family in marriage. Um, I don't know if it's super common at all to do this anymore. Um, it says most common in, in cultures that are strongly... Uh, parent, parentin, uh, patrinioli? I don't know. That's totally wrong. And that expect women to reside with or near her husband's family. Dowries have a long history in Europe, South Asia, Africa, and other parts of the world, <laughs> which like what's left at that point. Um, <laughs> but anyways, that's basically yeah, like they have nothing to give uh, like their future spouse because they have nothing. So like they have no livestock. They have no money. And also, like, Feyre's, like, it points, she points out, she's, like, I, she already knows that um, he's going to marry someone else. He told her. And she's really kind of practical with, like, the way she's thinking about it because they have nothing to offer anybody. They have no money. They have no livestock. Nothing that in this day and age of then, I guess that day and age, that would be normal for, for someone to, like, give their future family or future husband. They don't have anything. No cash um, given. And so Thomas might want to marry Nesta, but she's still a burden. She like flat out fares, flat out calls her a burden. Um, and I think that that hurt more than Nesta would be letting on. So then obviously Nesta's going to fire back. And then she calls her a half wild beast and tells her that someday she will have no one left to remember her or care that she even ever existed. Mm. And then with those words, she storms off into her room. Obviously Elaine follows her. Um, and I said, I'm like, I think part of the reason that she says is because Feyre even says that like she said this to her before and the first time she ever said it to her she flinched so Nesta knows that saying this hurts Feyre and she's gonna do that because that's the kind of person she is right now Mm -hmm. um but I also think that she's projecting how she feels about herself and what she worries about for her future being like no one's gonna remember me and you know no one's ever gonna care that I existed because like she herself doesn't not that she doesn't care, but she doesn't. Um, and then I just personal when I was like younger and like not kind, I know that when I was fighting with others, specifically my sister, I would say things that I didn't really mean, but I knew it hurt them. Um, and I think that's part of what they do here. Mm. So then Feyre then tells her father. So like, it's just her and her father now that he should talk to Nesta. And he's like, but what can I do if it's love? And Feyre was like, uh, no, Thomas does not love Nesta. She does not believe it. Um, she's seen the way that he acts and alludes to him wanting like only one thing from Nesta. And we do know later on that he does like sexually assault her, um, after she breaks up with him. Cause again, he's a piece of shit. 
Mm-hmm. And so her father then talks about hope and that hope is essentially like what they need. It's like, it's essential. They need it like bread and meat. They need hope and, or they can't endure. And she should let her, um, think her being Nesta think or hope that their future is going to be better than like what their present is now. So like Farah stands, she's looking at the paintings on the table that are already chipping away and thinks about how like one day in the future, they're going to just be like the paintings are going to be gone and that the evidence of her being there will also be gone. And then she basically is thinking like she, there's going to be nothing there to remember me and remember or like to remind anyone that I was here. So she basically, basically tells her father that like, there is no hope. AKA like there is no better world. Like that's not a thing. Um, and it just made me think of star Wars. We're like, you know, you just need a little bit of hope and that sparks the flame and that flame is the blah, 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 you know, Great quote, am I right? <laughs> Loved it. What they what it's they don't know though is that Obi Wan is their only hope. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but that's it. That's the end of the chapter. There is no hope. Dang! Oh, oh my god! <laughs> it doesn't exist. The limit does not exist. <laughs> the hope does not exist. But really, like that's also what like Reese is hoping that there's a better world. They're going to help make it better. All three, well, four of them, including Reese. And, you know, the other people in his inner circle. At this point, I just remember looking over at Meg reading. I think it was Wings and Ruin at the time. And, like, I saw, like, just glanced and saw that Nesta and and Elaine were still in the story. And, like, I mean, I was still, like, where we are here. And I was like, how? How are they still a part of the story (laughs) then? Like, I just don't understand or i think i was at the part where she was already in prithian so she's like away from her family and she's never supposed to see them again but i knew that they came back but i just i just didn't get it i was like you just need to get away from those poss because they (laughs) suck but you know things things work out (laughs) yeah yeah currently i feel like where we stand nesta's the only one that's like come on not nesta elaine it's like what do you have to add to this story (laughs) (laughs) Truly. <laughs> all I can say is I can't wait for that book and that freaking necklace fallout. That's all I'm going to say. I can't wait. <sighs> Asriel hiding in her shoes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I get to end it. Whoa. Yeah. This is weird. All right. Whoa. So if you feel so inclined, you can follow your host on Instagram. So myself and Meg are at the Petrus family, Tiffany is at tiffswish underscore flick, and Sarah is O'Malley, and that's with three H's. Any final thoughts, friends? Nah. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, guys. <laughs> Everybody's <No> annoying. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> so thank you for listening and for your support. We appreciate you so much. Take care and remember, only you can decide what breaks you.